0: the podcast that explores the breadth and depth of the world of Eberron. I'm one of your hosts, Wayne Chang. I'm Keith Baker. I'm Imogen Jinjo. And in this episode, we'll be taking a look at what crime we can get away with. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for uh, new listeners and uh, and um, and our old listeners. Um, thanks for joining us. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Welcome to 2022. Uh, for those who are listening to this, I guess during 2022 otherwise (laughs) it's
1: it's always 998 in my world so yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, keith's calendars don't go forward (laughs) we're not going to advance the
2: the manifesto meta plot just yet (laughs)
0: um yeah i we've been off air for a little while a small hiatus just personal stuff family stuff in the background uh work stuff holidays uh, I can keep listing, but I'm going to yeah. stop there.
1: <laughs> Pandemics, you know, just yeah. everything.
0: Yeah. You know, if, if you're listening to this in like 21, 22, um, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> well done, then, the, 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 yeah, the world is quite uh, a quite interesting place. Um, <gasps> so while we're, we've got people, you know, arguing about every single thing you guys are worried about, you know, zombies and cannibals and the end of the world and the sun going out. Like, I mean, mm. it's a completely different, it's a completely different measure.
1: I, uh, I will just, say yeah. that we're manifest zone. I think that Zencaster just was in a remote phase and, uh, the effects of it being remote or that, no,
0: okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we've all, we've got, we've got lots of different reasons, but, uh,
1: now we're co uh, again.
0: There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> Just to mention, uh, we are sponsored by KB Presents. It's an imprint of a Together Studios. Uh, we'll have a link. In, we'll have a link in the show notes uh, to the site if you want to pick some stuff up and uh, just go take a visit. And today, as I alluded to about five minutes ago, it seems um, <laughs> we are talking about crime, specifically organized crime, um, in Ebron. And we got a couple of references. Of course, they're going to be linked in the show notes for you. Uh, we've got Sharon and City of Towers. Uh, there's a huge, huge section. Obviously, we talk a lot about the uh, different criminal organizations in there. We've got City of Stormreach. I mean, we talk about a city in the middle of nowhere that, uh, what, what kind of crime? We also have a few articles um, from Dungeon Magazine uh, uh, 170, 173, 175 uh, called Exploring Fairhaven. Uh, there's a couple little things there. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't actually, I don't actually remember those articles. Those was really <laughs> a while ago. And they don't. And I didn't write them. Yeah, and Keith actually <laughs> didn't write them, uh, but we are including them for just for um, the for sake of, of, of completeness.
1: I, I, I will also mention: uh, Rising from the Last War, of course, is uh, summarizes the same groups as Sharn City of Towers, uh, mm-hmm. but does deal with a couple additional points that that are strong. Uh, I'd like we added some tables of uh, NPCs from each of the main groups. That's just a quick way to say, "Yeah, tell me someone from Dask," and also um, the callous. Oh no, that was Wayfinder's Guide. Never mind. <laughs>
0: we can also include that. That's fine. That's well, also I mean, official. That's thing. If you have
1: Wayfinder's Guide, uh, one of the things I really like is uh, it has three starting points: uh, Clifftop. Morgrave University and Calistan. And Calistan really uh is a sort of more inherently sort of noir crime-driven um sort of campaign. And we'll talk more about that as we go. Yeah. Uh, but it it does sort of speak to different ways
0: to approach crime. Yeah. Um and also, of course, in uh, Rising from the Last War, we actually talk about group patrons as yes. criminal organizations. So <clears throat> we're gonna go through that as well. Um, but let's get started. I mean, thinking about, you know, the setting, one of the major, major themes of the setting of Eberron is noir and you don't get much more, like you don't get n- noir without crime. Um, mm-hmm. you can correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that like you can really do that. It'd be a really boring noir novel if there wasn't some sort so- of murder happening there. But w- what is it? What, Why? Why are stories about crime and criminals and and those activities? Why are they? What, what are they as part of Eberron?
1: So I th- I think when you're approaching crime, uh, there's a couple sort of critical ways of looking at it, and and the first is to say players are heroes and criminals are antagonists. Players are on the side of the law, and that's uh, the sort of classic. Uh, approach. And that would be within the spectrum of ever on the more pulp approach. In pulp, there can be good guys and bad guys that are clear cut. and We can be the forces of the law. But as uh, you're saying, Wayne, as you move more toward the noir, we get into the point of crime isn't necessarily, there's two ways of looking at it. The first is that noir is a world in which bad things happen and where there are bad people, and that's just the way the world is. Um, so it is uh, introducing you know, the idea that evil is part of the world. But also, noir often, uh, especially in Braylon, because Braylon is the worst, uh, <laughs> noir often plays to the idea that the system itself is essentially broken or unreliable. Uh, that part of the point of Sharn is that in a lot of different parts of Sharn, hello, Kalistan, uh, you can't rely on the city watch to solve your problems. And that really what you're getting to then, on the one hand, you can say, well, criminals are the people who are getting people what they, they need or want. Uh, or you can just say, they're the people who understand how the world works. And so... To me, when you look at different ways to approach crime, you have just straight up antagonists. Criminals are the enemy. You have the potential lesser of two evils, criminals, the watch. They're all basically the same. These are just forces of power. You have the idea that criminal organizations could actively be rebels against a corrupt system that because the watch is corrupt. Well, maybe the tyrants are the only ones who are actually doing anything good in this place. And then the final sort of approach, I would say, which is what comes out in the Calliston starting point is the idea of just saying, well, actually, you may just live in a part of the city where these are the only sources of power. Uh, And this I sort of reference the idea of something like Gangs of New York Uh, in it. We don't really present the criminals as the villains because really they're just the forces that are there. They're the heroes and the villains. And so uh, that's very much in, in Calistan. We're just sort of saying, well, which of these groups are you aligned with as opposed to, and whichever you're not aligned with, those are the villains. Anyone want to jump in on any of that?
2: I think that, that last point as well, um, you know, you, you have uh, regions of Eberon, uh, you know, often the cities like Shan and the, the lower cities of Shan where, Yeah, as you say, the the watch don't really factor and you're looking at um, criminals on, you know, all sides of good and evil, of all power and all of this. I I think um, one good source of inspiration uh, that's got some incredible recency bias for me right now, but the show Arcane um, is a very good example, if you haven't seen it, uh, of uh, casting criminals as both heroes and villains in your story and how they can come into conflict with each other and you can generate stories that way and you know have those internal conflicts drive something forward within themselves and externally you know facing out into you know the upper city or to the skyway and so and so on and so forth so
1: uh, I I definitely I'll second Arcane as as uh, someone uh, post online. Oh, this is the closest we'll get to an everon cartoon, and I oh, disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I do think that that is the exact point of when you look at that. Kalistan is a very good uh, comparison to the Undercity uh, in Arcane, where the whole point of Kalistan is is the gangs are what are holding it together. Uh, wow. And it's just a very different flavor from Clifftop, where everything's law and order and and you know clean and bright, uh, and and so it is just a different way to explore things. Wayne, any thoughts? Well,
0: look at this from the adventure <clears throat> adventurer's point of view. When was the last time that your DM applied the law to your character? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> Characters, let, let's be honest. Characters regularly, routinely break the law because it does make for a good story. But they're not organized crime, right? I'm, I'm going right. to preface this for a sec with we're we're, we're going to talk mostly about organized crime for a sec. But characters routinely break the law. I mean, if you've listened to um, uh, the new campaign for Critical Role recently, or if you've watched it, I, I listen to it on a podcast sometimes. Um, they are basically breaking the law every other every other every other session every other breath they're doing something to break the law they're lying to the the police or whatever and adventurers are you know we've heard the term murder hobo where you basically go around go into someone else's house go kill them and take their stuff okay <laughs> i mean so when we talk about when we're talking about crime it, it's the int- i I feel it's part of the interaction of you know what, we already are these, you know, as, as characters, you're already in this like gray mode where it's like you're only doing things or whatever's convenient. And if you expand that to um, you expand that to organized crime, they're doing what, what Keith said, they're providing a service. They're doing what's convenient for them to make a living, to get rich, Whatever, where you have the example of Calistan is people are doing it just because they need to survive. There's no right. other way. There's there's no other choice. When you talk about some of the other organizations, this is the most efficient way that they found. It just happens to be illegal in this country or in right. this nation. And- um, and as adventurers, that's a very that's a very obvious thing to do. I mean, we don't go around committing crimes or breaking through windows or well, jumping off buildings either. But let's let's <clears throat> going back to those things but when you when you move past that, it just seems that you know one of the things we we're we're going to talk about is consequences, right? But what is it to a character to work with to work with or work against these criminals against criminals and and I think that's sort of the key point. And again, as you say, we will,
1: we will get there in more detail. You know, first off, there is that distinct difference between crime and organized crime. Uh, you know, we aren't just talking about robberies or, you know, crimes of passion or things like that. Uh, but also it is that question of if you are playing a character who is either working for or against organized criminals, what does that mean for you? Do you consider yourself a bad guy? Or is it that, again, the system itself is corrupt and uh, you don't consider the people you're working with to be that bad? Uh, I will say that I had another little game I was planning at some point that I never ended up putting together, but that I liked the idea that if you take the classic D&D meet in a tavern story, it's basically Reservoir Dogs. of You have a bunch of people who don't necessarily know each other being hired by a person in a bar, uh, and these are all people who are perfectly comfortable going somewhere, breaking into someone's house, and probably murdering them to take their stuff. And and part of my thought about that is, okay, do you trust any of these people? Like, how do you actually feel about being part of this group? Because these are all pretty scary, dangerous, and uh, disturbing people. Now, having said that, I do feel that with Eberron, we often try and push against the motor hobo. Um, Conceit, and even sort of call mm-hmm. out that point of, hey, when you're going into your classic dungeon, you're probably grave robbing from the decaying, <coughs> uh, you know, or things like that. Uh, but drawing us back to our, um, our story, so part of the point is when we started off with Eberron, you know, when we started with Sharn, and one of the ideas from the beginning. <sighs> As you said, Wayne, with noir as a major theme, we always knew that Sharn as the the sort of huge city was where we were going to explore a lot of those ideas and that crime needed to be a part of it uh, in all the ways that we've just described. And so basically, part of the question there was coming up with different major organizations and this is something we call out in rising from the last war, rising from the last war uh notes specifically that there's tons of like just gangs of pickpockets or random street gangs, or you know I think we have a random table of just minor street gangs of Sharn that the four major groups that we call out aren't supposed to be the only criminals in Sharn; they are the most organized criminals. Uh, And within them, House Tarkanan isn't even that big. It's just the most interesting as far as players are concerned. But basically, uh, the Boromar clan, Dask, and uh, uh, the Tyrants are the sort of three major ones. and, And we'll talk about them a little more detail later and part of the point was to have groups that really fill very different niches both in the services that they provide, the reasons players would interact with them and how they interact with each other and we'll talk about them a little more when we go on uh, to the dungeon master section but part of the point is each one does sort of support a different type of story uh, that just off the top uh, the tyrants in particular are usually less a threat and more of a resource. As Wayne was saying, it's they provide a service that you may not legally be able to get that, uh, you know, could help you or help your enemies, you know, but they're not really a force that you're generally going to be like fighting and they aren't trying to take over the world or take over the city. Uh, They are just there. And the question is, how do you feel about dealing with them? Any thoughts on that?
0: I mean, I think one of the major things, and obviously we're going to focus a little on Sharn just because we've got a sure. s- the most information there, um, <laughs> and we could have Keith write an article in about thirty seconds, but I mean, that's thirty <laughs> seconds of dead air. Yeah, writing. yeah, yeah. Already <laughs> written. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the 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 point as we kind of walk in here is is that we are not dealing because um, this is our next point is we're not dealing with human criminal organizations mm-hmm. um and i i i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's 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 always been an interesting but think we're talking about specifically you know we've talked about the monster nation we're talking about changelings and we're talking about halflings right we're talking about these different organizations and it's very it's at the heads okay mm-hmm. it's very interesting because um you're dealing with we're trying to deal with the fantastic. <clears throat> we're trying to deal with the fantasy elements here, which is which I think is actually more interesting. Um because if you just sort of turn it on and be like, you know what, this is this is a, a this is a fantasy um a fantasy version of a mafia or whatever that is I don't feel it's as fun. But that could just be me.
1: Well and and what is interesting is I've called out in uh the most recent article uh, that I wrote as of the time uh, this is coming out, uh, that um, it's writing about the difference between changelings and doppelgangers. And I was recently looking at the um, uh, the 10 page overview of uh, of Eberon that I submitted to the fantasy setting search, and it actually specifically references, uh, entrenched halfling gangsters uh, fighting against, um, you know, encroaching uh, forces from the, the nation of monsters and, and what at the time I called doppel gangsters. <laughs> uh, and Excellent. so never let it be said, I don't like a good pun uh, or a pun depending on your opinions of that. Uh, and so it is something that, that basically not only uh, The general idea of crime, but in fact, the the three specific groups we have in Sharn were there as early as the the ten page description of the world, um, and and that it was this idea of taking these sort of classic tropes, both of our world and of noir, and saying okay, but in uh. You know, in a fantasy world, these are going to be halflings. These are going to be doppelgangers. And part of the point of it in, in, when I was writing that was to say, uh, in that moment, oh, doppelgangers aren't just going to be like random thugs sort of getting into trouble. Like, oh, doppelgangers should be organized. Like, you know, they should, they should be taking use, you know, again, just as we use magic as a tool, doppelgangers should be using their abilities as a tool. Um, with that said I I will note that um, uh, we do call out in Rising from the Last War in particular I said that we have those little uh, lists of NPCs and such and one of the things is that that does note uh, that um, characters in these groups while we broadly say these are halflings these are you know, monsters. These are, uh, um. You know, these are changelings. That doesn't mean they have to be. We're not trying to actually say all oh, halflings are crooks. Uh, you know, in just looking at Boromar clan adventure hooks, you know, we have changelings, uh, who work with the Boromar clan. We have, you know, shifters who work with Dask. Uh, um, I'm glancing at a list of, of Boromar villains and one of them's a Kalistar. You know, so, I mean, the point is, uh, as Wayne said, it's, it's who's at the head of the families, you know, who's running the organizations. But it's important to understand that everything in, Eberron is versatile, cosmopolitan, and especially in a city like Sharn, uh, that you're not supposed to be limited. These are you know large organizations.
2: Yeah, I think on, on that point, um, it strikes me as one of those things where uh, Eberron very often takes the approach of you, you know you, you take something that exists that we know exists in the real world, you look at the fantasy elements that you know exist in this Dungeons and Dragons world. And and you see how you can mesh the two in ways that make sense. So when you're looking at organized crime, for example, as something that's a very kind of human evil in a way, um, I think you know, with with, with some fancy settings, there's, you know, maybe a um a tendency there to to leave that to, you know, humans, I suppose. Right. And and so I, th- I think it's important in Eberron to to suggest, you know, it's, it's not going to be just humans doing the bad stuff. It's going to be everyone. Um, well, and that means that you end up with, you know, the family that runs um, some organized crime circuit could just as easily be a, um, well, a halfling or, or, you know, a Medusa or an Oni if you're in Dask. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, well, then how does that affect everything that you know folds out of that in terms of power and capability and, and, and all of that stuff?
1: And and I also have to say, with the Barmer clan, there's a little bit of the same concept we have with uh, the trust and Zolargo. Of let's take the thing that you're initially like, oh, halflings. And then we're like, yes, and they are the ruthless criminal, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, rulers yeah. of Sharn. Uh, that it's just fun to sort of turn those little things, and, and literally little things, uh, and and suddenly give them sort of outsized power and, and make them a threat you don't necessarily expect them to be. Uh, with that said, shall we talk about how
0: this all comes into play
1: for Dungeon Masters?
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's do yeah. it.
1: So, so when,
0: you're, yeah, so when you're talking about a central theme of organized crime, we we mentioned in the beginning: Are you for it or are you against it, or are you part of it? And then it, we're not even talking about shades of gray. It's territorial. It's it's uh, it's mo- territorial. Like we're, I'm talking about like smuggling, whatever, as a territory as well. Um, but how does crime? Especially organized crime, play a part in your campaign. Um it's funny, actually, one of Keith's previous points was like you you know, the tavern you're brought together that that makes me think about Shadowrun. Shadowrun is one of my favorite games you You cannot play it in d and d. I've tried. Okay, I will say that it's very difficult to play in d and d because mm-hmm. it's it's not built for that, but is that the kind of game where you are these like specialized criminals and you're you're pulling heists, or are you? Part you you clan Boromar and you're going up against Dask like every single day, or are you just trying to cut your own little slice and another gang, um, coming up on your turf? You know what does it mean to have that, and as a DM, what are you trying to evoke with this crime over theme?
1: And and certainly, I'll just just jump in that for a moment to say, I've wanted for a long time and never. Done it to to actually have a group, and this this comes to the group patrons in um, Rising from the Last War. Is I for a long time have wanted to actually just do a campaign where the group just is a. Uh, Boromar underboss and like oh his enforcer and the, the wizard who's like the, the accountant and like basically just do it almost like you know a tiny Sopranos like you are just trying to run your little piece of territory uh, and over the course of the campaign you know to expand it and to deal with threats I've never run that game but I've thought about it a bunch Uh, So, I mean, I think, you know, when you hit on the key point of is it we are having classic adventures and we are either dealing with the criminals as as antagonists or as service providers Uh, are the criminals our patrons Uh, or are we doing something like the Calistan campaign where, again, part of the way that's pitched is pick one of these groups like all of these groups have a presence here. Which one's yours? And how are you, you know, and that the campaign will be about dealing with things. Usually I feel in your typical campaign, it's about these are in the background. you you know, your adventurers are not criminals unless, you know, depending how you take Wayne's uh, depiction of, you know, freelance criminals. But, you know, uh, your adventurers are going on adventures. But when they're going to be in the cities, the presence of these forces will have an impact. Whether it's in the services they provide, whether it's in their conflicts in the background, or whether uh, you know, in some other way. And, and I will say that we'll get into them specifically in a moment, but this was part of the idea is that one of the ongoing stories in Sharn is the conflict between the Boromar clan and Dask. Uh, that 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 is a, a sort of mob war that is going on and that when you go into the bad parts of town, that is a story that can spill into whatever you're doing. So that is from a design perspective, that was part of what you put it in there for is that there is a conflict in Sharn that you could ignore. You don't have to make it part of your story, but it's there. So with that in mind, let's just take a quick look at the four major criminal groups in Sharn and sort of the roles each of them play. And the first one definitely is the Boromar clan. And the Boromar clan, from the start, the whole idea was that they were the established mob. Like they are the people who have been running crime in Sharn for centuries. And that essentially they're fairly civilized about it. You know, like, it's well-established at this point. They're bribing all the guards. They've got, you know, their warehouses and smuggling operations. And part of this was to sort of focus on the fact that the crimes that they're focusing on aren't essentially that dangerous to player characters. They aren't running around cutting people's throats in alleys. They deal with smuggling. They run gambling. Uh, They, you know, they do... Uh, handle like burglary and such, but usually players don't own property. We're not really worried about someone breaking <laughs> into our stuff. It's
2: the whole right yeah. uh
1: And then they do things like extortion, but again, it's the idea—it's like protection rackets and the idea of that Boromar protection rackets are more like just another tax in Shard. <laughs> you know, it's well established. Everybody—it's just cost of doing business in Shard. And and so that idea of the the Boromar. Is, you know, that they are essentially part of the political land, you know, landscape of Sharn. Uh and that, you know, one of those ideas is if you want something done, you know, you can go talk to the watch, but if you really want it done, go talk to Sidon you know, Borimar and and he'll make things happen. Um and it definitely is is that idea of they're on the, the sort of wrong side of things, but they are a force you can go talk to. Like, you know, they aren't sort of wildly violent. They like to do this all in a civilized manner. Uh, and and again, that they are the establishment. They sort of have a desire to maintain the status quo. Uh, anyone have any thoughts or experiences with the Bormark line you want to mention? Um, I,
2: th- I think it,
1: it's... Really important with baramar as well to, you know, in
2: contrast to some of the other groups that we'll talk about in a moment to highlight, you know, they exist at every layer of Shan, you know, mm-hmm, geographically mm-hmm. and politically. Yeah. Um, so you find them warring over the lower city for territory and, and dens and gangs and such. But even as, you know, you get to the middle and the upper and the skyway, uh, the baramar have embedded themselves everywhere so you know the you can go to the sean 60 to the gala mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Uh, with the tanes um and shake hands and share a glass of champagne with a Stadium, yeah um and that is uh normal and expected and the well as you said the price of doing business right. um so almost Oh, go on.
1: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, and if you get into city politics, you know, they have a a solid faction on the city council. Yes. And again, that's the kind of thing many games are never going to get into. But if you do, they're there. You know, so I agree with you. Like, they are they are just a part throughout Sharn.
2: Yeah. And, and you can really play that up with, um, you know, layering on top of your patrons as well. Maybe it's not... Baromar is your direct patron for you know what you're sending your play characters doing off doing, but maybe the Baromar are the ones leaning on your patron to, to do something. Or, you know, your patron needs you to do something to pay back the Baromar. Um,
1: I think the- I think that's an excellent uh, sort of point to draw out is the Baromar are very much as criminals go, especially in Sharn they're the criminals that almost everybody has some connection to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing, uh, as you said, sort of that weird of the idea that your patron owes Satan a favor or uh, or something like that. And to me, uh, they're also easy ones to, you know, I've certainly played in games where like the rogue is like, you know, a cousin, you know, or sort of a, de- a distant nephew of, of, you know, Satan or something like that as the, uh connected uh to the force, but I do think it's that key point of you can encounter them in Calliston as an actual force you can encounter them in a politics game as a political faction you can encounter them in the at at the gala as a sort of huh wow, you know even guys even here you know sort of um there's a little bit of the uh Sydney Greenstreet, the the fat man from the Maltese Falcon,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> where yes, he's a criminal, but we're sort of encountering him where he's he's just you know meeting uh, uh, our hero and basically trying to get this thing that everybody wants, but he's willing to pay the most for it, and and you know yeah, sure he's a criminal, but we're not actually even really getting into that. We're just like he's the guy who's got the money to pay us to get the Falcon.
0: You know, I mean, and it's, you're very, you're, we're, we're talking a little bit about that the gentleman, the gentleman criminal, the, the, right. the, the, um, the sophisticated, like not, not all of them, right? But, you right. know, on the surface, it's the, the, uh, sophisticated. It's the, it's the, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word I'm trying to use here, but it's the, uh, yeah, it's a gentleman, it's a gentleman criminal. It's the, it's the person that you're like, you know, we're going to deal with you nicely before we send a knee breaker sort of thing. Right. It's the it's, it's the uh, it's they're they're the it's the happy face, the the velvet glove.
1: Yeah, the velvet mm. glove is a great yes. example of that's definitely the point of the the barmar is we're very civilized, we're very friendly and we will politely tell you how we'll send someone to cut your throat in the night. If you uh, but you, we'll, we'll we'll discuss it over tea and you know And uh, which brings us in contrast to, if we want to shift uh, forces to Dask. And um, the whole point there was from a story perspective, to start with the idea that the Boromar are established, but also because they are so established and old, they're just used to being in charge and they're kind of weak that they've been relying on the fact that they've had no real competition uh, and just kind of have run the show. And we wanted to say, okay, but there's a new kid in town and they are not afraid to not be all polite and sophisticated. And that they they don't bother with the velvet glove. They are just going to smash you with a giant stony fist. And, And the idea of saying, that that is sort of shaking up. That is something that is actively over the last decade, shaking up the status quo in Sharn. And again, creating a situation that players can get involved in on either side. Um, It plays to the idea of, again, looking to real world parallels of essentially new groups moving into old people's territory that the the you know the Boromar have been part of Sharn since you know the latest version was built. Whereas with Dask you're getting uh people coming in from Droam and basically uh having different values, different ideas of how things are done. And essentially part of the point of Dask is they're coming into a place where someone else controls the system and saying screw you. You know, we are going to carve out our own place here. We're not going to play by your rules. And so there's a number of different ways to play Dask. You know, the first way to look at them is that they are uh, a more aggressive force. They play more to violent crime. They play more to protection rackets, but they're sort of active about it. Whereas uh, the barmar haven't really had to enforce their protection rackets because they've just been doing it for so long. Whereas now we're like, oh no, that Minotaur will come in and burn your place down, you know, if you don't actually do something. Um, and the idea of uh, sort of weird drugs. Like we're saying Dream Lily, oh, the, you know, the, the Boromar clan handles Dream Lily. And that's like a, a sort of morphine, you know, analog. But Dask is coming in with like dragon's blood. And like this causes sorcerers to become more powerful unless they blow up. You know, that it's it's disruptive, it's new, it's not what we're expecting. Now, on the other hand, we also have the, the sort of concept that city goblins and other creatures like this are very much an oppressed, underrepresented force in Sharn. And that in coming up and shaking up the status quo, uh, Dask is certainly played in the papers as this is a violent dangerous threat but you can also play them as this is a force that is essentially trying to carve out an act on behalf of this oppressed uh you know minority within the city and so i certainly like playing both sides of that on the one hand this is a place where if you want someone to fight a werewolf great he's part of the mask. On the other hand, it is also the place where you can go and have a conversation with a Medusa who's going to, like, put an offer on the table and, you know, try and negotiate with you. Uh, And basically a chance to encounter monsters in a way you normally do not think of monsters, you know, that here they are just trying to establish their own place in the city. The last thing I'll say before I turn this over, because I'm sure everyone else has thoughts, is what we later get into as well is the idea, and this is something that's called out in the Dragon article, which we might want to actually link. There's a Dragon article on speci- Ion Eberron specifically on Dask, uh, where one of the points is saying that also it serves two purposes. On the one hand, it is a criminal organization that is carving its place out in the cities. On the other hand, that is being used as a cover for uh, it to be essentially a covert ops branch of the daughters of kill that they are both spies and, in many cases, commandos that are basically getting positioned in towns and, like, doing things on behalf of Droam That people just dismiss because they're like they're just criminals, and it's saying yeah they may just be criminals, but there could also it could be cover for more sophisticated operations that we just don't think monsters would be doing. So that's a sort of second layer of uh, Dask that you can play if you choose to. Uh, But I've just blabbed for a while. What do you guys think (laughs) of
2: I think one of the most fun things about Dask, at least in in my view, that Mm -hmm. really separates them from someone like Boromar is the concept of wide monster. Yes, very
1: true. (laughs) Um, So
2: (laughs) we all love the term.
1: Um, A very fat minotaur
2: A very fat minotaur, yeah Um, But no, you you can really play around With some of everyone's core conceits there Um, You know, you can ask yourself You know, we have this organisation Whether it's criminal or not um, That has uh, an oni at its head. There are medusas in the upper echelons. There are gargoyles and harpies and gnolls and, and orcs and, um, goblins. And, and you can ask yourself, how do, uh, people with the abilities that those monsters have, you know, affect the landscape of, of, of this organization and the territory they control? You know, does, um, is dusk, uh, justice uh, medusa knocking on your door and turning you to stones as punishment for not paying your debts and yes. maybe they'll uh they'll find a, a stone to flesh spell once you know your debts are repaid repaid um you know does the uh you know do the ogres and the orcs and so on use their strength uh to to be the bull in the China shop as it were. I guess I should have picked the Minotaur well, in that example. I was about
1: to say the bull in the China shop is clearly the Minotaur. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but one thing I jump on I jump on there, you know, just to to add too is also when thinking about why Monster, what is important to me and and to highlight as you're dealing with that DOS campaign is the ways in which those people are also just finding a place in the city. That when you're dealing with the ogres who are strong arming, literally, for Dusk, it's also important to say, because there's ogres on the docks moving giant crates. Right. There's ogres doing, you know, in construction work. The gargoyles are couriers. Like, basically, this is where, you know, going back to that earlier point, they can play it straight crime or you can play it as sticking up for the little guy is to get that idea that this is a population that's moving into town and working in charm and and so then sort of saying okay but nobody trusts the the those poor ogre dock workers who are just trying to do an honest job and you know bar is trying to squeeze them out and so they go to the the minotaur to you know help them out they want the medusa to to deal with the guys who are squeezing them
2: mm-hmm. and then oh, like hoppies for example you know you could play the harpy as the one, you know, using her enchantments to, to to get people to do things. But maybe the harpy is also, you know, singing in the club to get people to feel better after a long, hard day of labor on the docks.
1: Um, Which is, of course, what they do in drawing is, yes, you know, the point the is harpy, yeah. harpy, <laughs> you know, music can can be a weapon, but it can also it's just beautiful, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: one of the things about the Dask, I think, Keith sort of hit it, but I, I want to put it into words that maybe are easier. Think brotherhood or sisterhood. These are people who, part of it is, yes, there are actual criminals, there are actual people who have come um, to do criminal things. But the other part of it is to create this network of people who have nothing else. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a city goblin in in upper anything in Sharn. Why? Right? Because they're not accepted. Right. So, if you have no community, if you are downtrodden, maybe it's not you are you know a hardcore part of this gang or part of this this criminal organization. Maybe you're on the periphery, but maybe you do it because you get their protection. You know, the next time that some watch or human comes and trods on your thing, you can call and ask. Be like, hey, it's part of that. It's part of that brotherhood or sisterhood um, where people can belong. Uh, And it doesn't mean that maybe they're not an evil organization or they're not a gang or they're not, you know, violent. But if you think about that one step back, it's like maybe they have no other choice. Maybe they have nowhere else to go.
1: And that's the key point going back again to Noir of saying the system doesn't work for everybody. So it's exactly that point of they can't just go to the city guard and expect the city guard to solve their problem. And so they go to ask. And, uh, so yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Um, I forgot to mention that we, we should call out that, you know, these sort of concepts, uh, sort of apply in, in places we've called out in other cities as well. So you have, for example, the Quickfoot gang in stormwich is sort of, uh, fills the same broad role as the Boromar clan of the sort of established, if you will, civilized folk, uh, with the bilge Specifically connected to the Bormar clan, as you know, a smaller, more exotic group. Whereas, uh, Dask, in particular, you know, the Titans, uh, in Stormreach are an example where it's a gang largely made up of giants and half giants and such. And again, it's the group that represents this sort of underrepresented group. And, uh, so with all of those, you know, you have the sort of major parallel of the. Force that maintains the status quo, the force that is well-established, uh, well the force that is civilized in part because it can afford to be civilized. And then you have the disruptive force that is in part fighting against uh, that establishment. Moving on. Tyrants. Yeah. All right. So the tyrants, <laughs> uh, it's funny. I have to say this. I had forgotten this fact of why they're called the tyrants i'm not even sure but they're called the tyrants in the 10 page document like i i had them as the tyrants from day one and i'm not sure i think maybe once upon a time i thought that they had a beholder as a boss and there was sort of the eye tyrants uh so why they're the tyrants who can say uh but they are and the idea of the tyrants then is uh, it is a group that is largely made up of um changelings, and depending how you define them, doppelgangers, as we uh, later discuss in um you know the recent article about what is the difference uh but um but that basically it is a force that deals mostly um, with nonviolent crime. Uh, specifically with sort of crimes of, uh, you know, deception and information, you know, they are the group that knows secrets. They deal with forgery. They deal with long cons. They definitely deal with identity theft. You know, they are grifters, um, but compared to either of the other two, you know, so they run sort of black markets and such, you know, compared to the other two, they're much more quiet and in the background that the idea is they have coexisted with the Baromar sort of throughout uh, much of their history and just deal with different things. You know, if you're you're dealing with you want to you want someone to disappear or you want information you shouldn't be able to get, uh, you know, you're going to go talk to the tyrants. Um and even now, they aren't really involved in the conflict between Dask and Boromar. They basically just have their niche that they're happy in. And, uh, you know, it's it's more where Boromar fits the we sort of run the underworld. Dask fits the we're the disruptor, we're the chaos. Uh, the tyrants are just we're in the background watching. And, you know, if you want information, if you want to disappear, you better find us. Um, and, you know, one of the obvious questions is, well, how's that that compared to something like House Viarlan uh, or House Therani? You know, aren't those about getting information? Uh, and part of the point is, yes, but it's different it's a different approach and and one of the things we've said about the houses of shadow is for the standard person you can't just go to house Viarlin and say i would like to find out something about my neighbor please uh because they're an entertainment guild you know they're sort of spy services or like a special service only provided to clients whereas uh and you can certainly hire a private inquisitive from uh Um, From House Thoresh, sorry, or Madani, either (laughs) one, uh, and ask them to find out something that it seems reasonable to find out. But if you said to House Madani, I would like to know what color socks uh, King Boronel is going to wear tomorrow, they're going to say, yeah, that's not a thing we can do. Uh, Whereas if you find the tyrants, they might be like, oh, yes, they're blue or well, what would you like us to put in his drawer? You know, so it's it's back to the point of them being criminals is they are going to be willing to either have information or acquire information uh, that a a sort of theoretically legal, above board, uh, inquisitive
0: is not going to be willing to get. Well, that's the difference between spying and just breaking and entering, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like there's there's a different there's, there's a different intent for it's, what you're what you're doing right and and obviously this is a this is a very gray line and we're talking about it in fantasy game terms but you know what you're asking the tyrants to do is criminal what you ask the the house of shadows to do the to, to do is spying it's you know, it's and actually that's the justification for it and, yeah, and I mean, it's criminal it's crime right just justification for whatever you do <laughs>
1: But it's interesting when you actually pull back for a moment and and say we're dealing with a fantasy world but really in a sense what the tyrants are are hackers. You know they are people who are not Getting mm. physically involved with the world very much. You're not usually fighting a bunch of uh, of tyrants, but they have access to information that they shouldn't have, and they have the when you just need to like get into somebody's systems or mess with a thing. Well, the tyrants may be able to help you out. So they're sort of a more specialized, uh, you know, group that again often deals with sort of secrets and. Uh, you know, unauthorized access, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I I suppose the difference It's well, one of the differences is is somewhere on the lines of, yeah, I do like the hacker analogy with the tyrants. It kind of paints a picture of them as, you know, the tyrants is where people go if you want something. Um, Whereas the houses of shadow are where, you know, organizations and states and, you know, Noble houses and so on go if they want, you know, dirt that can advance their political or um, uh, economic cause or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's maybe how I would run it is 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 to keep the tyrants more personal and grounded. Right,
1: and um, and it's definitely that point of both. Dask and Boromar, part of their inherent story is the struggle for power and influence. Boromar has it and wants to keep it. Dask is trying to sort of muscle in and take it. And the tyrants aren't really interested. The tyrants have a service they're providing you. And if you can find them, if you can make it interesting, they'll, they'll do it. Uh, but, you know, they're happy to be in this, this niche. And so, yeah, I think the the hacker network is a, a good sort of way to think of them. And that comes back to our, our whole thing, you know, back to the noir of saying they're just a force that is in Sharn. They aren't the enemy. They aren't, you know, most of the time they could be if that's what you want, where you want to go. Uh, but they're just sort of part of the landscape of Sharn, that this is something that exists.
0: Um, if they are your enemy, they're probably hired by your enemy.
1: If if they're your enemy, they're hired by your enemy, or there's a bigger agenda at some, you know, some place that you you don't know about, uh, you know, it is the point that we also do have the idea that they do act in the interests of the changeling population of Dragon Eyes and Sharn, that this comes back to that, uh, you're they're looking out for their community. Uh, but at the same time, that's a community that isn't really trying to, you know, again, they're not trying to take over the world or anything like that. They're just looking after their own. Um, it's definitely a thing where sometimes you want secret information or also it's the great thing for, oh, you got to find that guy and he disappeared. Well, might need to talk to the tyrants and see if you can convince them to tell you where he went, you know, what cover they gave him. Um, anything else before we move on? I don't think so. Should we yeah. no, I, th- I think am? let's go to
0: the, let's go to the, 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 the purple elephant in the room and let's talk about <laughs> the assassins.
1: Yeah. So the assassins, yeah. you have House Tarkonnen. and House Tarkonnen is, is to me, like of all these, they're the smallest, you know, they are also like to ask. They're a recent development. Uh, the idea is they actually spun off of essentially a black ops, uh, group that Brayland organized, you know, sort of a suicide squad that, that broke away and said, screw you, we're going freelance. Um, and so they don't have the roots and they don't have vast numbers. Uh, and, but part of the idea is what they do have is Aberrant Dragon Marks. And really, this is part of the way of exploring the story of Aberrant Dragon Marks. It ties a little to Dask in saying, once again, they are a group that is trying in their own way. Uh, to basically look out for the interests of an oppressed minority. that aberrants are sort of feared and persecuted, uh, largely due to sort of superstition. And Tarkanon is a criminal organization and is happy to be criminal, but also part of it is they are going to try to shelter, guide, uh, and make use of people with aberrant uh, dragon marks. They are basically saying the houses are against us. We need to sort of organize and create our own force. Uh, now, one of the longer term things about this is the idea of, okay, and if that goes well, like, well, should you have, you know, essentially this is the brotherhood of evil mutants. Is someone going to start the X-Men? And, and the answer is great. Yeah, sure. Go ahead and do that. Like right now, Magneto's the guy in charge. If you can find an Xavier, you could be that guy. Uh, You know, it's not saying that this is the best advocate for for aberrant dragon marks, but it's the one we've got Um, beyond that, you know, their their services specifically are called out as assassination thievery uh, and such. But unlike, again, Dask or the Boromar clan, uh, they are mercenaries, you know, they're not doing this for their to literally try and run Sharn. They've just got a skill that they' they've, they've, uh, they're the best at what they do and what they do is very pretty. <laughs> uh, and especially in contrast to Thorrani or Fiarlan, uh, the whole point is Thorrani or Fiarlan, a, you can't just go to the, 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 you know, the opera house and hire an assassin. Like, that's not how it works. They <laughs> do assassination, but they do it for their very small list of preferred clients. And, you know, there's a whole sort of thing there. Uh, whereas Tarkanan are criminals. You know, anybody, if you've got the money, they will take your money and kill a person. Uh, like you know, there's no there's no pretense about how could they keep operating. It's they can do it because they're criminals, and if they get caught, they will be you know punished and executed. Um,
0: I feel like so, we should have included Viarlin and Thirani in in the criminal organization. I mean, we keep refer- referring to them, and it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, hang on a
2: second. It is, it <laughs> is very true. Is it,
1: uh, it, it is very true that they are organized crime. Uh, but at the same time, they are sort of organized crime that has managed both to, you know, the reason that they don't fit in this notch as much is those criminal services are only available to sort of very specifically clientele and and that they have a public face that is engages in non criminal activity. Uh, y'all have any thoughts about Tarkanen you want to bounce around?
2: I think well, one thing that is particularly interesting about Tarkanen, I think is the, the point you made about them, you know, it's a very small organization. Mm-hmm. Um, what that means is that, you know, if you, if you introduce your players to them, um, either because the players have direct uh, connection to them or because, you know, they've become wrapped up in whatever scheme um, Tarkan is involved with at any given time, um, you players and your story ends up with you know a lot of ability to shape the way that tacna is going to go
1: um
2: i think in the books as well there's you know there's a central conflict set up between um is it thora tavern and the son of Kaiba? that's um, correct
1: in the fourth edition book introduced that concept yes yes
2: um so, you know, you you, you you could tip the balance one way or the other just with a couple of extra votes on the, uh, you know, in this close-knit family.
1: Um, and, and that's exactly the idea. Like when you come to this X-Men analogy is the point of saying this is all new. Like Thoris started off and said, you know, we were literally a commando team and uh, let's try and get organized. Let's use the skills that we have. Let's Let's, you know make this organization then you have the son of kyber coming in as more of like a magneto and saying we should be bigger louder you know and and where do you stand on that or do you want to try and get out of the the criminal path um certainly the novel of, you're going
0: oh i'm i'm just saying i'm just thinking in terms of one of the things for Tarkanan. i <laughs> Yes, in the game, in the setting, they're the assassins, but I don't think I've ever seen them used as <laughs> as the assassins. They're always used as, it has something to do with the Aberrant Dragon marks, it has always something to do with the X-Men story of the protectors of that, whether or not they're good or evil, that's that's not the case but they're never used in their assassin role without including them as a part of the bigger story. Like I I have no, I, to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever seen that used.
1: I have to agree with you. I I feel that it's basically the assassination aspect is really more of a, that's an explanation for why they're here and how they make money. Mm -hmm. Like that is the thing they do to make money. But then the story is usually going to be about the role of Aberrant Dragonmarks. And, Uh, tied to the stuff we were saying before, like how's crime enter the thing? Uh, It is that sort of point of you can just use them as antagonists, like basically they appear in my novel City of Towers as loosely antagonists, Uh, whereas in the novel uh, The Son of Kyber, what you have is a player who, uh, you know, essentially a player character getting involved with the organization and it becoming a more complex situation of seeing their their sort of greater agenda. How do you feel about that? Can you shift it? Are they, you know, uh, on the right side of things? And And so it's definitely, you can use them as a criminal organization, or you can use them because you want aberrant dragon marks to be a part of your story. And that's a big part of what they're about. Um we haven't really talked about how this all affects player characters but a lot of the, the you know the central ideas here I think are relatively clear you know it is this point with any of these uh one of the things I feel rising from the last war does though I could be wrong is actually with each of these organizations it has examples of criminal contacts you know if you have the mm-hmm. criminal background first off the criminal background is really about I used to be a criminal. Now I'm an adventurer and I've still got connections, but you know, it's more that I grew up as part of the Boromar clan and now I'm going off with you guys. And, and so that's an easy way to sort of think about it is if you're playing a character with a criminal background, do you regret it? Are you trying to redeem yourself or are you just, I've, I've graduated up to full murder hobo from, (laughs) you know, street thug. And, and so that ties to the criminal contact is are you sort of still connected with the group or is it just, oh, but I'm still friends with, you know, uh, Izzy the Knife, you know, who will tell me what's going on back with the family. Uh, and, and that's one thing to think about. Uh, beyond that, I think we already sort of talked about the point of you can look at the ideas presented in criminal organization as, as a you know party patron, uh, but beyond that, there's just that question of, of do you use them as antagonists or do you get more involved with the stories of each group, whether that's the aberrant dragon marks of House Dr. Cannon, whether it's the oppressed monsters of dusk, or whether it's you're trying to help. You know the Boromar sort of maintain their status uh, against the forces entrenching them.
0: Uh, what else? Do the rest you have as we wrap up. I think that's. I think basically talking about an understanding where these organizations sit in, let's say, the Sharn, hier- Sharn hierarchy, makes it an important point of where do you want to play the story. I mean, you can play. You can play against type and obviously we're talking about everyone that happens very often but if you're going to play the gentleman the gentleman rogue the the gentleman um uh, you know group where you're the you know you're the face of of boromar that's a very different story than you are tell if you're the downtrodden of the dask or if you're the secret society of the tyrants or you're the assassins but you know then we're talking about a you know, you know that yes, there's there's surprisingly surprisingly there's a lot of of family and political stories you're telling with these organizations. Now, I, I'm not a crime novelist. I don't, I haven't done a lot of research on that specifically, but when you look at stories, you look at like a, a, a serial uh, serialized TV show like, like Sopranos or or something like that, they're not telling the story about the crime. They're telling the story it's, about the people, yeah. They're telling the story about the people and what the crime does to their family and does to their relationships and whatnot. I would say those are really excellent, excellent examples. Um, not having watched The Sopranos myself, I've, I've seen a couple episodes, um, or, or, or something like um, The Tyrants. Think about a show like, like Leverage, Mr. Robot. Yeah, those are. Yeah, that's actually a great example, Mr. Robot. Think about what does that do as you know your black hat uh, things, and if you want to play something a little more. Adventury type. I mean, go read a Shadow Shadowrun novel. I mean, that is a very <laughs> that is a very like you are a bunch of criminal. You are literally a yep. bunch of criminals. Yeah. You might have day jobs actually, but you are a bunch of criminals hired to do stuff. Um, what's you know who's your patron? What why why are you a criminal? Like, what is the why are you doing this? And that's that's I guess that's an important thing. But um, but yeah, that's I feel like that's the the meat of of doing this because it's. Yeah, there's you know it's the d anD D. So part of it is the adventuring, part of it's the rolling dice, part of it's the hit the monster, um, break open the the safe, get the treasure. But what is it? What is that? How does that make it different than just adventuring when you got a criminal backhoe or a criminal organization running the show or that you're responsible to?
2: Yeah, yeah. Always remember the people. I suppose is the-
0: <laughs> no, absolutely is the key
1: part.
2: All right. Um, I think that's probably where we'll wrap up. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Um, be sure to visit our website at manifest.zone where you can find subscription links to our show, post comments on an episode and find all the links to our social media. And please let us know what you think by leaving uh, reviews on your favorite podcast service. Um, so join us next episode uh, where we'll talk about the drow in
1: Eberron. And until next time, keep exploring.